Ultra. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are drenching ourselves in Disney's The Little Mermaid, one minute at a time. I'm Andrew Dorowski. And I'm Kestra Dorowski. Today, we are joined by Norman and Cassandra from Lord of the Rings Minute, and, and appearances on other podcasts. Yay! Yay! Hi! I'm ready to you get guys. drenched. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so we've been changing that each week. It's been a different, um, a different pun having to do with The Little Mermaid, and we started with, like, diving into, and then... Uh, a little while ago, we were drowning in The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. And this week, we're, we are drenching ourselves in The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. In, in <laughs> Ursula's magnificence. Yes, that is exactly why I picked that at like this descriptor for this week, because like that's what it feels like. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, definitely. We are discussing minute number 41, which begins with Ursula smiling slyly at Ariel through her mirrors as the orchestra begins to play the music of Poor Unfortunate Souls. Oh, it's so good. And it ends with Ursula singing, that one wants to something. It gets cut off. Minute 41 of The Little Mermaid features Ursula starting to sing about how she has used her magic for evil in the past, but she's changed now. And Ursula starting to tell Ariel about how many ways she can use her magic. Welcome to this week of the show. You guys got the, like, the Kobe beef of <laughs> Little Mermaid Minutes. We we were with our guests last week and we're like, we're sorry that you literally <laughs> get cut off right before, like before the, the first, first note. note. <laughs> before the first, like drum beat of poor unfortunate souls he's like i know it was like it's hard yeah but he he got the the two lines that come in like usually in the soundtrack Mm -hmm. right before the music starts right but he didn't get the music and right before andrew was like i am like having a hard time yeah as we watch because we watch the minute and it cuts off i'm like but i'm just thinking like it's just like it's coming through my head, like, right. I can just you can you do that? Things. And then you just get the like, bump. bump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's so amazing. Like Al- Alan Menken and Howard Ashman did such an amazing job with the music in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. It's all really memorable. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I I like I've mentioned a few times. This is one of the only things that really just has a huge impact as far as big show-stopping numbers. Like, it has four songs that, with the right performance, you can imagine an audience just standing up and it's like, no, you have to take a break and let us applaud this, because there's four songs in this that are of that caliber. Mm-hmm. Didn't they Didn't they make a Broadway musical, or like an off-Broadway musical based off of Little Mermaid? Yes. They made a, a Broadway musical, and Alan Menken helped with the music. Okay. So a lot of it it's very similar has the same plot line pretty much just Um, more songs and same music yeah more songs more songs a couple of things are fleshed out a little more Mm. as well as original ideas like ursula being king triton's sister is an actual thing in the musical yeah whereas in the movie the whole thing they they had cut that that theory that's something i've always been interested in is where ursula came from because I yeah, remember so in the, hearing in, that, that she was his sister, but I couldn't remember if it... Because it had been so long since we'd seen this movie, and it it's really short. I was surprised. Yeah, <laughs> like, like 
uh, under te- under te- eighty minutes of like story. Yeah, technically, it is shorter than Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs because it has actual credits at the end of the film. So, oh wow, yeah, it's it's kind of surprising how quick it is, but also like we are at the end of this week, halfway through the film, mm-hmm. and this is where she turns into a human. In the musical first act, she is all mermaid, and then at the very end is Poor Unfortunate Souls, and she turns into a human. Mm, that makes sense. And, and, then then, they, and then they had the intermission. The yeah. second act, yeah. So, it, yeah, it's when we were, I think, just starting to, like, break it up into the minutes, I realized, like, we are halfway through this movie, and what I would call the inciting incident hasn't really happened. <laughs> like, when... The incident. Because <laughs> you and me were talking about this, uh off mic before recording something else when you said that it was 40 minutes into the movie i was like that can't be right yeah like yeah, this has got to be like are. 20 minutes in right yeah nope <laughs> but like we're 40 minutes in and this is the third of four big musical numbers yeah i know i always forgot that that under the sea came before this I mean, mm-hmm. it has to, though, right? Yeah, no, I know. It makes logical sense. But in my brain, it's always just like, oh, yeah, Poor Unfortunate Souls, and then Under the Sea, and then, oh, wait, that's backwards. <laughs> Under the that's- Sea is the song I always think of first when I think of this movie. That is the one that won the Oscar and the Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but one of the other songs was nominated, and it wasn't part of your world. I'm going to ask Kester now, was it Poor Unfortunate Souls? No. So the other one was Kiss the Girl? Yes. This is so hard for me to believe because so uh, discussing part of your world, I was I was short. Like my vote was that it had been nominated and it was the one that won. Mm. And then Kester said no. I was like, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> then it's got to be par- it's got to be under the sea. But like the other nominee. I, I was hoping that Poor Unfortunate Souls would be the other nomination. Nope, kiss the girl. And that All was right. the the nineteen ninety Academy Awards, right? Yes. Yeah. And Golden Globes. I was yep. two. I was not even a I, blink in my parents' eye. <laughs> I don't think I, I wouldn't have been born for the Academy Awards that year, but I was born that year. Oh, uh, am I, I the oldest like, one here? I yes, feel old now. Yes, you are. <laughs> not, not by that much, though. Because yeah, I think I wasn't born that. until '94, so oh, oh, my parents weren't even married. Wow. Oh, that feel one's old interesting now. to think about. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was so sure it was going to be Poor Unfortunate Souls, because I, I bet if they were going to... I mean, like, when you talk about this movie now, I'd say that Poor Unfortunate Souls would be higher up than Kiss the Girl. Is yes. this is this your favorite Disney... Like, in the movie, obviously, but, like, Disney song ever? Ooh. That's tough to say. It's my... It's... Oh. It's my favorite, favorite villain song. Villain. Absolutely. Oh, okay. yes. Like, as far as villains go, definitely... My then favorite? maybe be prepared after that, or I'd say be prepared is probably the next villain the next song. Villain song. But favorite song, song. I'm very tempted to go with "Go the Distance" from Hercules. Oh, nice. But I'm, I'm also thinking. I'm also thinking heavily about some songs from Tarzan. Oh, cool! I think Tarzan has Stranger- a really underrated soundtrack. Like that soundtrack is really good, and "Strangers Like Me." is really fantastic and so is son of man like mm, those those yeah. two songs are the ones i'm thinking of from tarzan and i like that's definitely leaning more towards me being like a boy when those movies <laughs> came out and it, like those were the masculine <laughs> films 
So I'm thinking about those, but also you know, Phil I Collins. think those right? those might be my <laughs> my favorite Disney songs. Like That's cool. so, Disney has um they they've got like a new fireworks show at the parks, mm-hmm. and it's called Happily, Happily Ever, Ever After. After. And we saw it when we when we took our vacation in celebration of finishing uh, Snow White, among other things we were celebrating. But the part that got to me was when they played. Um, go the distance stuff and had images from Hercules and Mulan. Oh, and we both started. We especially cried. Because we both when, cried. when they juxtaposed Mulan with go the distance and like oh, finding somewhere so I belong, good. that one was really intense oh, for us. Like, and we were perfect. near like, and we were near like, like 20 year old college guys. And at the end of the, <laughs> the thing, they're like looking at each other and like, that kind of got to me that that hit me hard. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and I think, I think for people in their like, in their 20s and, and early 30s right now, those are going to be the the images that really speak to us. Because I've heard other other Disney podcasts talk about the uh, the show, and they say that they don't they don't love it as much. And I'm wondering if Wishes ha- the the old fireworks show had more stuff that was tapping into their generation a little differently. And they're like, I don't I don't quite get it. But at the same time, like I know having seen it, I'm like, no, like. It hit me so hard. This fireworks show with the, with Go the Distance in particular was a really intense moment when they played that, and we're showing all these images from uh, Hercules and Mulan and Tarzan and like the Finding Your and, Place and, and, and stuff. And I was like, I can't handle this. From, I can't handle this at all. They also <laughs> showed other other films too, mm-hmm. like Moana and Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. Right? Yeah, it, yeah. it's a it's, it's a. I really like this show. I think it's fantastic. I never saw the other ones. See. When I did my Disney College program, I had the Wishes fireworks show, and I every night, and I cried every time. Was that the one? And then I cr- was it around a few years ago? Because that was yes. the last time we were. Yes, at- this this one this. How long did Wishes go for? It early two thousands, mid two thousands. So for like ten years. Yeah. Oh wow! And uh, they don't change the fireworks shows that often. They 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 can add things to it, like with Wishes, they added Frozen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And stuff. We but, saw it with Frozen, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but with H- Happily Ever After, it's it's different, but it's still amazing, and I I I, I love both of them. Yeah. <laughs> so the, like, it's really great. And so when you ask, like, what's my favorite one? I think maybe because of how it's used in the new fireworks show, mm-hmm. which was the first one I've ever seen. Um, I think Go the Distance might be the one for me. Yeah, that's awesome for me. I don't know. There's too many good ones. Like, there's a lot of great (laughs) options. Yeah. Like, Go the Distance is definitely up there. But one of my other favorite songs that's really not anyone's really favorite song at all is something there from Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Oh, that's definitely not one that a lot of people would would pick. I think um, that's what we asked for when we're going to be on Beauty and the Beastly Minute. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah. So but, hopefully uh, we we get that slot. But like I don't know if I have an actual like favorite song because there's so many. <laughs> Kestra likes singing a lot of songs. Me too. Me too. Poorly. Oh. <laughs> I'm not. I do okay. not have a good singing voice. <laughs> Let, now that we're way off track, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's let's pull it back Sorry. into. We are getting like the first notes of poor unfortunate souls. I have been waiting to share a fact for so long. It was so since, since like our early prep. Um, so we watched the commentary that's on our Blu-ray version. Mm-hmm. And they talk about, um, Alan Menken talks about how to get the compositions. He wanted to 
kind of be inspired by music from composers in the area of Denmark. And so he settled on Edvard Grieg, who's a Norwegian composer. Mm-hmm. And he listened a lot to a lot of Grieg. And Grieg's best known work is Peer Against Sweet, which has things like Hall of the Mountain King. Yep. And when you get into Poor Unfortunate Souls, you can hear, like, he pretty much, like, ripped a sequence from Hall of the Mountain King. And there's, like, a little, like, bum, 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 bum. So that's oh. that's Hall of the Mountain King is, like, bum, 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 bum. And there's a part where Ursula is, like, jumping away from her her vanity chair. And it goes, like, it, it does, like, the same thing with the same instrument in the same, like, Oh, cool. register and everything it's like this low like horn like bum 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 and and it it changes but for like half of that sequence half of that scale uh-huh. i heard it and i was like that's hall of mountain king that sounds exactly like greek which i wouldn't have realized if they hadn't had the commentary where he talked about i was listening to a lot of greek to get inspired mm-hmm. and there he was- may have subconsciously have like copied this this half a half a, a phrase awesome. there's also some bass movement where it's yeah 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 and And it matches hall of mountain king hall of mountain king pretty well and andrew has been dying Uh, i was so excited when so like (laughs) we were listening to the commentary and then we got to poor unfortunate souls i said hey can we just turn off the commentary and listen to just the song just for a minute and then we'll go back and we'll put the commentary back on (laughs) and once we did that i was listening to the music and i heard that phrasing i'm like that sounded just like Hall of the Mountain King, which he mentioned Grieg on this commentary 20 minutes ago. Wait a second. Like, let me look this up. And so I, like, pulled up an instrumental version of Poor Unfortunate Souls, and I pulled up Hall of the Mountain King, and I was listening to him, like, back and forth, and I was like, it's totally there. Like, it's right there. (laughs) And so I I don't know. would have picked up on that, but never. It's yeah, like it's one of my most proudest things from, from doing Dame is that I, like, noticed this thing because and pieced it together like the pattern recognition was there because he had mentioned it because i never would have thought of it if he hadn't said greek mm-hmm. yeah having played hall of the mountain king, king i'm a little ashamed of myself for not having recognized <laughs> it's okay. now, it now it's stuck okay. in my I head d- so it's fine <laughs> i didn't recognize I, I didn't hear it at, at first and then andrew's like don't you hear it and i was like oh <laughs> i have to like like process really, it like, prepare. but I wasn't able to pick up on it. Well, and with it, by the like it's second. It's like it's there one time, and then it, like you don't really have an opportunity to mm-hmm. to hear it again because it it turns into poor unfortunate souls so completely. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. That that's my really number. Cool. That's that's my big note for this day, <laughs> and I'm super proud to have finally gotten to it halfway through our episodes for this movie. I have some notes about Poor Unfortunate Souls. Yes, let's hear them. Okay. So, originally, there was an alternate version of Poor Unfortunate Souls. Uh, with especially, It was in the storyboard, and then it was cut down as they were cutting parts from the storyboard. Boarding process of this um, song. And in this beginning part of... Poor Unfortunate Souls. In the original version, Ursula explained why she was banished, and she said she was trying to elevate her station in life, and then Ariel would uh, commented saying that, no, you were trying to overthrow my father. (laughs) Oh. 
Well, that's that's just a perspective. It's just from a certain point of <laughs> <Yeah>. view. <laughs> uh, also, with poor and fortunate souls, Howard Ashman, the lyricist. So we we, we like to go on a first name basis here. Yeah, Howard. Howard he <laughs> uh, he felt that this was the riskiest song, and it was um, one of the reasons was because it was the biggest musical theater number of all the songs. Like, it's the most theatrical, like, stage performance style. And he also was worried because it, it's a song that is, like, has the plot in it, but it's justified by nothing. Like, it doesn't lead, like, there's no real reason why she should be singing about all of this. And I think it has just as much justification as any of the other songs, though. Yeah. I think it has just as much justification as Kiss the Girl. (laughs) Yeah. I but, think I think it's suitable. It's but, certainly a, as much as part of your world. Yeah, and he also made sure that this, or he he mentioned in an interview with someone before he passed away uh, that this song has three acts: the invitation, the seduction, and the spell, and it also includes a climax. So it's like a whole story. So it's itself. a whole little little play production. Yeah, that's what he was saying. In the recording session for Poor Unfortunate Souls, Pat Carroll had Howard Ashman sing uh, the song for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just like J- Jody Benson had had him sing for part of your world. Well, and, and um, you said Samuel E. Wright was yeah. copying Howard's performance, basically, yes. for um, Under the Sea. Yes. And Howard had when when she asked him to perform it one more time so that she could get everything right mm-hmm. he, he she said that he quote put on the cloak end quote meaning that he that she stole that, that he became ursula <laughs> and she stole some of his body language and ad libs uh that he added and other things as well to her performance so some of the ad-libs were pathetic and really that wasn't like written in apparently not that's but it's so in it i I think the the way the way way she she, says the way she says it and (laughs) and uh when she says zip and and like pops that yeah that was that was a howard ashman thing that she brought in well it's so good like uh, every little element like that adds so much flavor and character to the song though definitely yeah yeah it tells a lot about ursula in just like five minutes basically Mm-hmm. she like she is so potent mm-hmm. in these five minutes yeah i have more notes but on later days so. okay <laughs> so those are your your day one of poor unfortunate souls because it like this entire week is poor unfortunate souls yes yes oh Andrew wanted me to mention this because we forgot to mention it on Yes, Friday. I had a question because we were um, backed up a little bit to get um, the transition into this scene. So I asked Hester a question. He at, Right before this song starts, Ursula is putting on lipstick mm-hmm. and she's saying, "Solution: the solution to your problem is simple as she's putting on the lipstick. And he's like, is that... I, I, I asked ask if she could speak like that while putting on lipstick. And no, 
I right? I couldn't. <laughs> and she puts it on at like a fast pace too. So well, and she's speaking quickly, and, she's speaking and it's sort quickly, of so it's like and th- like the words she's saying aren't easy words. No, it's it's not really possible. But Ursula can do it. I suppose. Okay. I mean, she's Ursula. She can. <laughs> or do she, what she, she can wants. do whatever she wants, right? <laughs> um what what kind of notes do you guys have for this first day of the week? Uh I think just I think most of mine are at the back half when the song like gets going. The, when uh, it ramps up. I uh I just I found out something about the character Ursula that I had never known before that I find fascinating and I would go I don't know if you guys talked about this in a previous week, that the part was written with B. Arthur in mind. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the the origins of Ursula. Yes. And I find that to be really hard to wrap my head around. <laughs> I can't imagine like anything but this performance. I mean, I can almost like, it's hear, so good. I can almost hear B Arthur's voice saying a lot of these lines, but I can't imagine B Arthur doing the song. Yeah, she wasn't able to do it because of uh I think it was Golden Girls recording. I think I can't remember, but but then they went through so many other people uh, to voice Ursula, and they were having a hard time because Howard had done a demo version, and and he, his demo was like brilliant, and they <laughs> wanted someone to match that or who could be able to do that, mm. and they went through some people, and some people were okay. They they were kind of considering one person. It, Especially, but I can't remember her name. But then that person did not work well with Howard at all. So then that seems to have been a thing. Yeah, like Howard was fairly particular about yes. who was performing his stuff. But then they get got Pat Carroll, who was brilliant, able to work with Howard, able to do this song as almost as brilliantly, if not as brilliantly as Howard. I, I wish we had that demo from Howard Ashman. No. I would. It's I would love to that- hear that. It's interesting that it's the lyricist that's being so particular because I would think that um, also Alan Menken, like the 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 score, I mean, like because he's writing the music, technically, you know. So it's interesting that it's the lyricist who's like very choosy. Yeah, about he must have a very particular vision in mind for how these words are are, are spoken are, are and saying. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I, also a producer on. Um, yeah so he had maybe a little more influence than the typical lyricist because he was he was a producer uh, accredited producer yes for the movie so i i I bet that has something to do with it he he has to be this way right (laughs) yeah he 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 has uh the inclination to employ that amount of control Mm -hmm. uh but it it definitely works but that see that sounds accurate to how it's described like part of your world how how, it took a full week to record part of your world With wow. Howard Ashman coaching Jody Benson through, which like, and he asked Jody to audition, so he knew she could do it, and then he spent a whole week like tweaking it and getting it just right. Um, and he's he was involved with the music too, um, but Alan Menken is considered the composer for all of the music. Right. I right. can't even imagine he like singing get, the same song like right. multiple take after multiple take for, for like a week. Right, he gets Jody Benson to like 
audition for the part and they she gets the part and then she's like all right we're gonna spend a week together and you're gonna get this perfect oh my gosh well she had worked with howard before on broad on broadway uh, so she knew what uh, she was getting so, into so she yeah, yeah she, like they she knew, knew what each she other. was doing <laughs> but. Um, but then uh i think i can't remember what the exact quote was but for sebastian uh i know kestra explained that he was accepted for the role even though his accent was more Trinidadian instead of Jamaican. Mm. And so I, that's sounding like the sort of thing that Howard Ashman's like, oh, it's a little it's a little more Trinidad than Jamaican, but I really like him <laughs> anyway, so we're going to go with it. And it's like, it's like, I feel like no one else would make that distinction. Yeah. It's like, we accept him, even though his Caribbean accent isn't the type of Caribbean accent I initially yes. thought was the right one. And, and Howard, he, there are some things that, John and Ron, the directors, wanted to change. Uh, <laughs> and Howard says and, no. And Howard would say no, but they were able to convince him on a couple of things. And we've mentioned some of those things before. But he he had, like, when he had something down, he stuck with it. He did not want to change a lot of things. So what I'm what I'm hearing, like, this is making more and more sense, that I feel like almost nobody else could have written this song for this diva character the way Howard Ashman prepared a song for a diva character. Right, right. And he put on the cloak, which we've talked a- we talked about last week as we were talking about Ursula. We were, we, we couldn't say any of her lines without like performing you, you them perform right them. for her. It's yeah. just like, it's so, so potent. Like I said earlier, her performance is so intense. So there's going to be a live action adaptation of this. Who do you guys think can play Ursula? Oh my god, I can't even think about that. Like, I can't even the, like. Okay, so the only thing up. I can come up with is <laughs> Which I'm not entirely sold on. Yeah, but the only but the only thing like I think it has something to it is if you have Meryl Streep. Huh. Yeah, I could see Meryl Streep. Interesting, but that's but that's also just because like Meryl Streep can do anything she wants. But if you like think right. of like Devil Wears Prada, right? Yeah, it's like okay, I can see, I can see yeah. the similarities, but I don't know if I'm a hundred percent on that one either. Like it's it's just one of those hard, like oh, but this character is so perfect. I don't want to see it a different way. Exactly. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those live action adaptations so far. Well, at some point. You're going to have to. There's just going to be too many of them. You yeah. won't be able to keep avoiding it. <laughs> the Beast one was decent. You know? Eh. <laughs> they sang and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they, they sang. Yeah. Do you guys have other notes? I have notes about Ursula, but I can save it we're, for a different Yeah, minute. we're at about half an hour. And we're trying to shoot closer to 20 minutes. We've okay. been bad. Uh, I don't think so. so. Yeah. Okay. The only thing I think uh, of is, did she kill that poor clam when she put on that lipstick? I don't know if that like muscle was <laughs> dead or if it's just a uh, it's just a a uh, like it holds the makeup. It didn't create the makeup. Yeah, like how callous is Ursula really? I mean, she's got. I mean, it's pretty bad. Like, yeah, dead people basically. Yeah. Well, not dead people, but well, we call them soul slugs. Soul yeah. slugs. There you go. I think they're um. They remind me of a of. A uh, a thing. I think it's called a uh, Lemure. It's supposed to be like a disembodied spirit in purgatory. Oh. Hmm. Okay. That I yeah. mean, maybe that influenced their so, development maybe. in some degree. I maybe. believe that's a Greek mythology thing, but I could be wrong. Huh. 
I, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll nice. Take it. Yeah. This is why we get guests. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My last note for this minute is in the in the last week we've talked a lot about how the color tones have changed throughout the film, and I, I I'm sure it must have been a real pain for the animators to have to deal with like when King Triton gets angry. They start dealing with a red color tone. And when Sebastian's singing Under the Sea, they have to give it like an orange tone. And for Ursula right now, they've got like this pink coming out of the cauldron and it's casting a pink color tone onto everything. And so it's not just like they have a daylight at nighttime shade for every character. They have to do like, well, what is it in red light? What about an orange light? Okay, what about pink? Yeah. Probably a big pain, especially because there's also moments when they have to dim the colors a little bit make it yeah. more darker is it, and... like it's a complex element to this yeah. film that i think maybe i've never thought of before is yeah. how much they're throwing extra and, and in many cases unusual colors like this pink light coming out of the cauldron like that's not a standard lighting that you're gonna get right. in in a cartoon right right it's very sinister Yes. Which is very Ursula. Yes. <laughs> it's very sinister, but it's also very feminine, which I think fits her perfectly. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to to think of it. Okay, are we all set? Yes. Okay. That's all we have for you today. We are part of Dueling Genre. You can find us and many other podcasts at duelinggenre.com. Including Lord of the Rings Minute. Yeah. <laughs> There, you will also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all Dueling Genre productions. We are on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society, or Damsels Group. Our guests can be found... We're on Twitter at L-O-T-R Minute. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We have a listener group as well. It's uh, Fellowship of the Mic. And uh, we're on Dueling Genre, um, and we're going to be covering Two Towers uh, starting uh, the very beginning of uh, January 2018. And we're super pumped about that. Yeah. 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 Next movie. I think there's definitely parts of Two Towers that are the most memorable memorable parts of the entire trilogy for me. Like, I think it probably has the most, like, the largest number of most memorable parts for me. Nice. Well, we'll have to have you guys uh, back on that because we always have a lot it's of easy. fun chatting with you guys. It's yeah. easy for you guys. You have a ton of minutes to fill so, in. Too <laughs> many. Just give them we're, away. We, Just don't. Like, <laughs> we, we don't. It's like, yeah, we're, we're if, next, next movie, we're going to have to start cutting our weeks in half. Yeah. We want to thank Star Wars Minute for starting this whole thing. shebang yeah. thing. They, it's It's been great, and we wouldn't be here were it not for them. So thank you, Star Wars Minute. Absolutely. Until next time, thank you listeners for making us part of your world. Bye.